Welcome to I'm Uncomfortable. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Melissa. And we've been friends since everybody's favorite time of life, puberty. Like most people who thought cutting their own bangs was a good idea, we're professionals in feeling that itchy, cringy, out-of-place awkwardness. Join us as we unapologetically explore the topics that make us cringe and how to be okay with it. Now let's get uncomfortable. Welcome to yet another episode of I'm Uncomfortable. As per tradition, before we delve into the very intriguing topic of the day, Melissa and I share what's made us uncomfortable recently. And today, we actually have a very special guest to join us in the uncomfortable zone. To help teach us about the topic in question today is our Chell. Our Chell is a graphic designer and photographer based in Orange County, California, and she inspires us constantly with her multiple side hustles. Say hi, Archelle. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. So now that we've given a little itty bitty look into um, what Archelle does, let's delve into what's made us uncomfortable this past week. So Archelle, did you want to start us off today? Yeah. So uh, Angie, my fiance and I just got a little bit more comfortable eating out at restaurants on the patio. But We went to BCD Tofu House, which is like a spicy tofu soup, Korean soup. And Andy, whenever he eats like spicy food, his throat gets a little weird. So he let out a cough. Oh, no. (laughs) On the patio. And I was like, babe, you can't do that. (laughs) Like You can't just cough anymore. The judgment is real out there. I like. Did people stare at you? I don't know. I didn't want to look. <laughs> You're just like, nothing happened. I was just staring at him. I'm like, please, hopefully Stop no it. one's looking at us. But I was like, you just made me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. crazy? That is yeah. so crazy. Like you can't cough anymore. You I know? feel like that <laughs> when I'm in the, in the grocery store, wherever I'm at in public, when I, even with my mask on, if I'm not eating in a patio or anything, I still feel super conscious of when I'm sniffling. Or like, you know yeah, touching a, your face or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know how Me it gets constantly. humid in your mask sometimes yeah. and you just end up sniffling and that's what happens to me all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I can definitely see how that's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for me, I have been... I have been drinking a lot more coffee since the start of this quarantine and in an effort to try and see other options for caffeine, I've been trying chai this week instead of coffee and thus far it's not gone well. (laughs) I was like, okay, it'll be cool. There's still, there's still caffeine in black tea, which is what chai is. And I've, I I don't know. So I've just been tired since I've woken up. But what spurred me to try um, an alternative to my normal two cups of coffee a day was my little brother asking me if I die without coffee. And yeah, so we'll. Oh, wow. How about a dramatic question? I mean, technically, yeah, I would die. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, so we'll see after this week if I die. Um, but Nessie, I wrote in the will that obviously you'd have the rights to my half of the podcast. Wow, and thank I you. I expect a thorough audition process for the replacement. Of oh, me. of course. Of so. course. <laughs> 
Anyways, on to you, Vanessa. I, I just think it's really funny. We didn't plan this, that you're talking about being tired and, you know, needing coffee and everything. I Because yeah. I, today, woke up exhausted from this horrid dream that I had. It was a terrible dream. Archelle, you're going to laugh because you are engaged. You're going to get married. Um, uh-huh. So I had this crazy dream <laughs> where I was, like, trying to plan my wedding, but also, I be you know, be in my wedding. So trying to be a wedding planner as the wedding's going on. And I, like, for some reason, didn't have a maid of honor or bridesmaids or anything and so I was trying to get my mom to help and she was useless so useless like I was telling her oh you had to play this music for when they walk down the aisle or whatever they as in me like I'm the one walking down the aisle (laughs) and then she like couldn't work like the the phone to play the music and so she like got the church choir also why was I in the church (laughs) so many questions and that's just like a little bit of the dream so I woke up so tired from my fake wedding dude I've had those dreams like right. the dreams of your wedding going completely wrong and they feel so vivid engaged. and real it's like uh, do I even want to have a wedding anymore it's so stressful yeah yeah no but it's funny because I was telling um Vanessa because she actually texted me in the morning she's like oh my god I had a crazy dream it was that and crazy it was and the fact that you remember all of those details from yeah, that dream because is... I texted you about it because I woke up and was like this is crazy and so much other so many other things happened but I'm not going to get into it I'm already tired thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay well now that we've shared that very interesting dream about Vanessa's <laughs> wedding Fake I wouldn't no. I was going to say dream wedding but that's definitely mm, not no. your dream wedding nightmare it's wedding nightmare, <laughs> yeah. nightmare wedding yes <laughs> so we'll transition over to our topic of the day so today we'll be talking about the life of a digital content creator. So besides her day job, Archelle currently has 21,700 followers on Instagram and is crafting her own creative studio focusing on graphic design, photography, and content creation. So Archelle, tell us a little bit more about what you do and how you got into it all. Yeah, so right now my full-time job is a designer and social media manager for a national chain restaurant uh, called Lazy Dog, shameless plug, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm the owner of Honey Palette Co., my design studio, and I help design the logo for these two. That's right. (laughs) So it was really fun working with them. Um, In my studio, I do like photography and graphic design. And I also do blogging on the side too, uh, mostly food and lifestyle. And also, long list of stuff. (laughs) I'm also a part-time reseller on Poshmark and Mercari. So I found a way to monetize my obsession with thrifting and shopping. <laughs> so, yep, that's another side business of mine. Yeah, that's oh my gosh. so many things. All of, yeah. the, all of the hustles. I mean, I said so in the beginning. You inspire us with all, literally all the things that you are doing. So I'm Thanks. excited to get into it. But Archa, I'm wondering, you know, before we dive into the questions that we prepared, just how did you get your start? Was this always something that you wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, being a blogger, influencer, digital content creator, whatever you want to call it, I think it started back when MySpace was a thing. Do yes. you guys remember like the scene kids and all that? Yeah, yes. that was me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, we were like so obsessed, you know, with like having so many friends and like getting oh yourself gosh. out there, you know, like the whore for whore type of thing and the pick for pick. Oh my god! Oh my gosh. Yes, the F for F, follow for follow, yeah. and all that. I stuff. I forgot all about that. Yeah. So 
I think that's where it started. That's where I like love taking photos of myself. I hate saying that, but (laughs) um, (laughs) I think it started there. And during that time too, like middle school and high school, I, I think I was always into photography and design. Um, I was in yearbook uh, from like Mm -hmm. sixth to 12th grade, which is crazy. (laughs) And when Instagram started getting big, um, that's where I would post all my photos. And I started doing fashion at first because, mm-hmm. you know, I was obsessed with like clothes and thrifting yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but when I started my new job, not my current job, the job before this, um, we had to wear business attire. Yeah. Which <laughs> killed my motivation to like dress oh, no. up. Yeah. <laughs> and. I, I didn't know that. Me either, actually. yeah. Yeah. I thought because you worked for like a resort, they'd be more chill about. No, what you can they were wear. super strict about um, well, it was like what a you look like. Fancy place, right? So I'm sure you had to be uh, very yeah. presentable. It's like luxury. Right. Um, we had like celebrities staying there and all that, mm-hmm. so you had to be like on top of it. But um, but yeah, um, at that resort, my job was a visual content designer. So I was doing graphic design and social media content. Um, and at the resort, we had eight restaurants. So I think there were that's, eight restaurants there. Yeah, you're like eight. <laughs> no, there's eight. That's it's crazy. And Whoa. every corner, like of the resort, you'll find like a tiny restaurant. It's like super cool. Um, oh wow, okay. And they all have different branding, but have a, a unifying theme of the ocean, which uh, was the theme of the resort. Ah, yeah, and. My job there was just to take photos of like new promotions at the restaurants and then get that ready for marketing content. So like um, emails, social media, all that. So I really want to thank like my that job for getting me into food blogging because that's where I fell in love with like the ambiance of the restaurant, the plating of the food and like the decor and like the story behind all of that behind everything. Yeah. So that's where um, food blogging kind of stemmed from. And I think I started food blogging more seriously in 2017, which is three, yeah, three years ago. It's freaking crazy. And did you always have this big of a following or like, how did you go about kind of cultivating what you have now? I think when I started food blogging, I was at 4,000 or 5,000 and Mm -hmm. it went up from there. Wow. And then you got, you got that initial following because you had been blogging before about your fashion and all of those things, right? Yeah. Like you had grown that organically through that, that portion and then transitioning it into the food Mm -hmm. um, blogging later. Yeah. Interesting. And well, I got to say, I love a good food pick. So, I mean, I get it. (laughs) That's why I switched to food because food is relatable. Like everyone could relate to food, especially like the local aspect of it. People are mm-hmm. looking like where to eat and all that. So right. that's what helped. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because if you're trying to grow a um, audience, then you're going to want to, you know, that local level, everyone's looking on Yelp to see what the reviews are and things like that. So it's interesting to have like a local perspective on on the food in the area. And you're based in the, in Orange County, right? Like, like your food blogging is, is kind of based in that area. Yeah, Orange County and sometimes L.A. when I go back home. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I just was wondering, you know, talking about social media and everything, what are some of the things that you love and hate about social media? Yeah. The first thing I love is meeting people and the connections that you make through social media, Mm -hmm. Um, especially if you're a blogger, influencer and all that. You have friends in your niche 
So whenever you go to like media events or um, food events and stuff like that, you always see the same people. So you end up becoming like best friends and all that. And like a community. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. And like apart from like your social media friends, you get to connect with your current friends or like your, you know, real life friends. So like mm-hmm. you guys, like I haven't seen you in months, but like I, I feel like I see your <laughs> stories and I'm like up to date on what you're doing. Oh. So um, that's a great thing about social media. And I mean, the biggest thing for social media, it gives you an opportunity to be creative and mm-hmm. express yourself. Mm-hmm. Um and you have that ability to share with a huge audience. Like recently I created some art for the Black Lives Matter movement um, mm-hmm. with no intention of it going viral. And right. um, I posted maybe two or three of them and it people shared it thousands of times like on their stories. Wow, that's amazing. And that felt so good. I did see that. I mean, like, I think I'm sure I shared it too. <laughs> it was good. It was- yeah. I mean, you guys shared it too. So yeah. when like your close knit network shares that and then it goes to their network. It's like a huge Mm -hmm. thing. Um, but I didn't expect it to be shared in that way. And then magazines are posting it on their Instagrams and tagging me. And I was like, what? I'm an artist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like a new way, like for, it's not a new way. It's just a different way for artists to Mm -hmm. get their art out there. Mm -hmm. And that's an awesome thing about it. Yeah. Is there anything you hate about it though? Oh gosh. Um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, we're going to go there. Instagram, it's like a dark black hole sometimes. Like you keep scrolling, <laughs> you waste so much time on there. Oh, yeah. um, that's the biggest thing. But also like being an influencer or a blogger, it feels like another full-time job sometimes. Mm. So I think you have to like manage your time more wisely or else like you definitely feel that social media burnout, right. which is a real thing. <laughs> and, yeah. and there's like a lot of pressure to make good content now because of the algorithm and it starts to feel like a number game um on this social media algorithm is always like this i keep hearing yeah. that people are ch- <laughs> not chasing maybe some people are chasing after it but like it's this thing that keeps changing and people have to adapt to it and it's just it's an interesting thing I don't really even, for our listeners who are not so into, like, the social media world, can you explain a little bit, like, when you say the algorithm, what do Um, you mean? So, the algorithm is what Instagram uses to determine if your post is interesting. So, if people aren't engaging with your post... (laughs) How insulting. I know, I know. (laughs) So, if people aren't engaging with your post, like, within the first hour or something, it doesn't show to your whole follower list. Wow. So, you can really see that um, if I ever show you guys, like, the insights and analytics to, like, my posts. Yeah. If a ton of people are commenting on it because it's a giveaway or something, like, you're engaging with, Uh um, the impressions is much more higher than, like, a post of some random like food you're sharing, you know? Right. So, what? yeah. So that's the algorithm that people are trying to like beat or like trying to understand. So there's trying a, to get ahead of, yeah. So yeah, with that, it's like, it's a game of trying to make your post the most interesting it could be, even though all your posts should be interesting and right. all your posts are like you, you know? So mm-hmm. it shouldn't determine if you're interesting or not. You know, you talked about the black hole of like scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And then there's, I could see as a con on the content creating side, that could be a black hole too, to be chasing after that, like algorithm and trying to be, stay true to yourself and who your branding is. So on, on that note, with all of the content that you are creating, I'm sure there is a method to the madness of, you know, trying to figure out that algorithm and 
what are some of the pressures you experience on a daily basis when you're dealing with those things? Because I'm sure you want to create posts that are true to you and true to your branding and true to the message that you want to be putting out there. But you also have to, this is the other piece of the puzzle that you need to consider in this process. So what are some of the pressures that you've experienced in that? Yeah, uh, some of the pressures I've experienced, like basically like trying to figure out how I'm going to shoot it or when I'm going to shoot it because mm. it during the week I'm like not as motivated to do stuff because I'm working full time right yeah. so when I make everything pile up on the weekend I kind of get overwhelmed so right. that's one of the hurdles I have to get over is just like managing when to shoot and all that and what a, like a creative block for me when shooting content is like seeing the big project up front and I'm like Oh, this is a lot to do. Like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> so like I have to break it down. Like these are the shots I want to do. This is how mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. If I need to buy ingredients, this is what I need to buy and all that. So like mapping it out really helps for me. Um, Ooh, do you have like a planner? Like how do you organize your projects? Yeah. And um, I used to do bullet journaling, but then that kind of fell through this year. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of things fell through this year. Yeah. In so, <laughs> so but, I don't blame you. Yeah. So I just have a notebook um, with no structure, really, just like to write stuff down. It's easier for me to like draw things out um, with a oh, pen and paper. Okay. Instead of typing. Mm -hmm. So I get that. Uh, yeah. So I do that and I like to draw out like what I want my image to be. So, say if oh, I want to do like a yeah. flat lay, like you want to have the main product in the middle and then like what I want around it so I know what Did to buy color? yeah mm -hmm. and all that wow yeah but I do um for time management I do use a online thing called plan I don't know if you guys have heard of that um no. uh, I think the website's getplan.co or something like that but you create a to-do list and you're able to block off time in your calendar so you drag that task oh. into oh. your calendar yeah so it's That's like fun I have an hour Ooh. to do that I'm like, writing that down. Yeah, I'll send you guys the link. <laughs> yeah. Missy's obsessed with all things organization, I, so I can yeah. tell she's very intrigued. I have my um, planner right next to me. Yeah. <laughs> the notes page opens. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, to me, one of the hardest things that you just talked about, like, I, and you're very into it, is the idea of taking pictures of myself, my space. It just, it makes me so uncomfortable. I always second guess myself. I don't know what I'm doing. I end up getting frustrated or giving up after a certain <laughs> point. <laughs> like, I've taken some pictures for, you know, our podcast and I end up telling Melissa, hey, here, here are the few good ones I gave up already. Like, I give up. Yeah. So, so same. We send each other these pictures that we're taking of, like, of ourselves for this particular post. And we're like, is this one okay? Like, what should I do? We're, like, directing each other. It's just a weird and But how do you process. do it? Like, do you have any tips or tricks for us how, and on our listeners? Like, how to be more comfortable with taking pictures? Uh, no, trust me. I'm uncomfortable, too. <laughs> so Well, yeah, don't look it. <laughs> Tip one, have a good Instagram boyfriend or fiance. <laughs> there you go. Andy has been through a lot with me and taking my photos. So he knows like what I want and all that. Okay. It's funny because like if you look at him while he's taking my photos, he's not happy because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> oh, so I don't like that normal. one. I don't like that one. I don't like that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's normal. But practice makes perfect. So Do you shoot for certain things? Uh, what do you mean? Like, like, are you looking for a certain pose? Do you know, 
how you're going to stand or arrange yourself in the environment that you're in? Uh, first, I make him take like a test shot so I could see what it looks like. Oh, um, okay. So you don't have to be like posing or smiling or anything. Um, so you could just see like what everything looks like around you. Uh-huh. And then you have to figure out your own poses because boys won't tell you anything. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like anyone that's taking your picture, they're like, I don't know. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Looks but, great. Yeah. You could go on Instagram or Pinterest and just like bookmark poses that you like and just mm. try oh, them out. That's a good idea. Like try them out in the mirror or something oh, and see what you're comfortable idea. with. Yeah. None of it. None but, of it. I, <laughs> but I will try it. <laughs> yeah. But tip number two is use natural lighting. Like that makes you look the best. So if you go in front of a window and um, face your camera towards you, um, that is the best lighting for me. Oh, that's the whole reason I moved into the room I'm in right now. <laughs> the windows, the windows, the lighting. It's its key. It's a thing. Like everyone's like, find your light. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Girl, find your light. Yes. <laughs> I know it's that true. we... Yeah, and I one of my favorite things too, and I, I half the time it doesn't work, but I always I'm just like, okay, one of the things is like just walk, just walk, and then we'll take pictures. You know, <laughs> do you do yeah. the walk? You do the walk. I do I've the walk. You do. I can't do the walk. We yeah. were in Mexico and we were walking down this really pretty, yeah. yeah, we were walking down this pretty lane of shops, and we're like, okay, we're just gonna walk and we're just gonna yes. take pictures. I, I mean, know. there's something. Do you do you tell yourself something? Because I'm walking, I think, and. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I have to walk for a picture, and all and of a sudden, you're derping about. I don't know how to walk. And then you have to like, walk back when you have to restart it. Yeah, it's really awkward. But just, <laughs> um, no, I mean, just pretend you're walking for real. Like, don't try to fake it, right? That's like I love that. how you pretend can tell. you're walking for real. Because <laughs> yeah. when people do like the front and back and front and back. Oh, yeah, thing. I've heard that as a tip and before. You can tell like they're not oh. really walking. Okay. Like no one walks like this. Like they're not yeah. putting their arms out like, you oh, know, yeah. we're not oh, in a Nike commercial. Oh, you don't commercial. walk like that? I, no? Okay. No, no. <laughs> see, that's my fear. Like someone will see me doing that <laughs> when I'm trying and to take photos. <laughs> but yeah. you know hearing this from you Archel that the fact that you're still uncomfortable with it and you still love it and you still do these things for the for the sake of the art and the creation of what you're gonna you're trying to envision it's it makes actually me feel better because oh yes absolutely (laughs) yeah just because you you may be like a digital content creator like someone who has like hundreds of thousands of um followers and things doesn't mean they're not uncomfortable when they are making that stuff, but it's all part of the process. But mm-hmm. I know that we talked about a little bit of some of the ways that you deal with with stre- the stressful environment of being a content creator, the time management and things. But and we briefly mentioned experiencing creative mental blocks. Can you describe what that means to you? Like, what is a creative mental block for you? Um, and then, uh, and yeah. then, second to that, so that I don't interrupt you again, is when you do have these creative mental blocks, how do you deal with that, and how do you unwind and try to reset that creative brain? Yeah. Uh, so since I do social media as a full time job too, um, everything piles up and it gets really crazy a lot mm. of the times. Uh, for creative block for me is when my to do list is like twenty things long and I don't know where to start. Mm. Um, so for me, it's just breaking down like the hardest thing and just tackling it, like sit down, grab a coffee, even though it's like 8 PM at night, which is horrible, (laughs) but like actually taking time to finish it and like shoot it and all that. So yeah, just tack, you just go head it and you dive, dive in and 
dive in. Break down that task. I guess that helps me too when there's a lot of things on my list. It's like taking the hardest thing. That's a good tip to break that into small little itty bits of things that you can tackle mm-hmm. one by one. Or set like a pretty good suggestion. Yeah, or pick three things that you want to finish that day and oh. get it done. Like that's your main goal. Because when you see everything in a huge list, it overwhelms you, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. seeing smaller, shorter lists really helps me. But yeah, creative block sucks, guys. <laughs> like <laughs> when you sit there and you're like, I don't know what to do or I'm not good enough for this. Why are they reaching out to me? Or why did I accept this project? You know, um, but you got to get over that. And like once you see the finished product and it's all worth it. That's crazy to me to hear you say, oh, like, I, why would they reach out to me? Like, I'm not good enough because to Melissa and I, it's, you're it, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Everyone experiences imposter syndrome, I think. Like, it's just something that definitely, every, yeah, in the creative field, especially you are going through these, there's no like one way to do things as a Mm-mm. creative. And mm-hmm. so there's so many different ways and every, you know, as experiencing it, you're like, is this the way that you're supposed to go? And I could definitely see how that can like induce imposter syndrome. But I suppose for any creative, it's, you know, you just have to ignore that. I guess fake it till you make it right. And keep going. Yeah. Like when I started food blogging, I actually reached out to restaurants, like, like, would you be interested in doing a collab? Like, so that would mean me posting on my Instagram in exchange for free food. So like, it's like a simple trade. Like everyone starts like that. Hmm, But then when um, restaurants and agencies started reaching out to me, like Mm. setting things up, I'm like, oh, then now I know the value of my work. And then that's when you should start getting paid for what you do because your time is so valuable, you know? Right. Right. Hmm. Well, we, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say how I, because I'm just genuinely curious, those are, you know, cold calls and, and reaching out to these different mm-hmm. restaurants in the beginning, how, because mm-hmm. everyone, even in my industry in public relations, all the interns that come through my department are like, I have to cold call people. Like, I don't want to do that's scary. And like this day <laughs> and age, people are not even jumping on the phone or, you know, but how did you get over that? that intimidation or that fear of doing these cold calls to these restaurants or like emailing them out of the blue without any context, I guess. So, yeah. Um, I think just building your portfolio before you start uh, mm-hmm. reaching out. So having okay. like a, a pretty filled out uh, photography portfolio as a website, like mm-hmm. that gives you some co- sort of credibility before you mm-hmm. start reaching Foundation. out. All right. Yeah, Cause yeah. you're not just some random person who yeah, likes cause... taking pictures of their chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Cause um, I see it on my um, work account too. Like some people just reach out like, Hey, do you want to collab? And that's it. Like no uh, mention of data or like what you can provide like, and stuff like that. What is the payoff? Yeah. yeah what's the, the payoff for benefit. me? Right. So when you like, okay. Yeah. So once you show your worth to the restaurants and they're like, okay, we can work with you and they understand like what they'll get in return. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that helps uh, with cold calling. So So. coming in with a foundation, Mm -hmm. things that you can share with them to see like, Hey, there is value here in, in potentially collabing. Yeah. I mean, it's easier since it was through all emails and direct messages on Instagram. So you're not really talking to people. Right. So Mm -hmm. The, it wasn't too scary. 
Uh-huh. Well, I'm sure this topic is still scary for a lot of people. And whenever we wrap up our episodes, we always try to include this idea of how to be, you know, okay with the with the topic. Um, so do you have any suggestions for any of our listeners who might be starting and want to pursue this path and feel uncomfortable or maybe feel like an imposter? What are things that they can do to, to be more okay with themselves and, and the space they're kind of trying to get into? Yeah. Um, well, first, don't compare yourself to others. Mm. There's so many influencers out there and and girls like want to be them because of what they see on Instagram. Right. And when you think about it, you're only seeing 15 seconds of their life. Like if you see a story, that's it. <laughs> like they have There's other a problems. Other 23 hours and some 45 <laughs> minutes of yeah. you're not seeing. So it's yeah. good to like see what they're doing as like an inspiration. Um, but you don't want to compare yourself or your life to them or else you'll, you'll lose a passion of blogging and creating. So post whatever you want. Engagement doesn't define you. Mm-hmm. Um, get a camera. I mean, you can use your iPhone too mm-hmm. and just start experimenting. Like See what you like. Creativity. Yeah. Creativity. There's no bounds. So you could just try something like fashion, like how I started and then getting into food or you could go into lifestyle or you could go to fitness. Like there's so many things you could do. So, okay. Yeah. The world is your oyster, <laughs> as they say. So don't be afraid. It sounds like to try the different, the different platforms, I guess, or not platforms, but subject matters. Or yeah, like so niche. <laughs> yeah. Niches. <laughs> what are the words? <laughs> Clearly this is our child's expertise. <laughs> if you want to become TikTok famous, I have no advice on that. <laughs> too old for that. <laughs> I feel like I've seen YouTube videos, how to be TikTok famous. They're no just, way. Yeah. I'm, uh, I haven't watched a single one, but I just, I, just I'm now like, a little curious though. Be pretty and dance well, I guess. <laughs> I don't even know if it's well, dude, because I've seen some of these people. It, just, it doesn't seem that complicated. Yeah. I will confess that I have gotten TikTok recently and it is, you talk about Instagram being like this black hole. Oh, TikTok I hear TikTok's is, oh, yeah. a black hole. Yeah. And and it's really abrasive because right when you open the app, it's immediately music and oh, loudness wow. as wow, opposed really? to Instagram. You know how like you go just and turn the sound on. Yeah. The yeah. Sound is off. You yeah. Get, you, there's no consent. <laughs> <laughs> it just attacks you. It really does. Anyway. <laughs> well, thank you, Rachel, so much for being on our show um, and giving us, you know, an inside look into the world of being a content creator. Where can our listeners find you and follow you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. My account is Archel A, spelled A R C H E L A. <laughs> and my uh, creative studio is honeypalette.co. That's my website. And you can find that link in her Instagram. So follow her on Instagram yeah. and you can definitely get navigated to that. Great. So be sure to follow our chat on all of her platforms. Thank you again for joining us. And thank you all for listening to our show today. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate us and leave us a comment. You can also follow us on Spotify and Instagram at imuncomfortable.podcast. We release new episodes every Tuesday. Next week, we get into a heated debate about threading versus waxing. So tune in then. (laughs) Bye. Bye.